All right, on this episode with Amin Bartram, we talk about all sorts of stuff, and it is a pretty wide-ranging conversation, but it is all really, really good stuff. We start off on Triple Byte. We talk about how it works, the founding story. We he might hint at a product launch that's coming out in the next couple of weeks, but we don't go too deep into it. And then we deviate a little bit. We talk a little bit about homeschooling. We talk a little bit about the future and what the internet has done to credentials. Um, and we talk about the future of the workforce. Honestly, he, he was so generous with his time, and I really appreciate him coming on to the podcast and chatting with me for about 50 minutes. For your knowledge, Triple Byte is a little leader stage than most of the companies that come on. They, they're, they're a couple years into it, or I guess four years into it. Um, so have that context uh, you know, while you're listening. Also, before we get into it, just note, if you like the episode, or you want to suggest any guests, or you want to say hi to me, I'm on Twitter. You can find me at Matt underscore sherman that is m-a-t underscore s-h-e-r-m-a-n but you're not here to listen to me promote my twitter you're here to listen to this podcast so with that let's get into it all right how's it going everyone welcome to another episode of forward thinking founders where we're talking to founders about their companies their visions for the future and how the two collide today i'm very excited to be talking to amin bartram who is the co-founder and ceo of triple bite welcome to the show how's it going Thank you, Matt. It's great to be here. It's, uh, it's uh, going well here. Good. Yeah, it's great to have you on. I remember when Triple Byte first launched, and I'm like, this is going to be a giant company one day. It's such a genius idea, and I'm excited to just talk about how it's going. But for people listening that don't know what Triple Byte is, let's just start there. What are you working on with Triple Byte? Yeah, first of all, thank, I'm, 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 thank you for the, for the um, kind words. Uh, Triple Byte fundamentally is a hiring marketplace. Uh, so we are, we are a service. Uh, we connect software engineers with startups and large companies looking to hire software engineers. Uh, what we do that's uh, kind of distinctive in this space is that we focus on, on technical evaluation. And so engineers on our platform go through a background blind assessment where we really you know, measure their programming skills. We don't look at you know, what school they went to. We don't look at if they've worked for Google, if they you know, have a degree from Stanford. We look at, you know, can this person actually write code? Um, and then we match that, you know, engineers with companies that are looking for skills um, that, the, that the engineers have. And what that means is that we can help candidates who have skills, but who don't necessarily come from traditional backgrounds. So people who are self-taught, people who, you know, maybe have an associate's degree or graduated from a lesser known university. We can help those people get access to uh, top jobs. So is it one of these things where you, ha- you so you have this evaluation, you have, you have something that they, they prove their skills, and once they, is it binary in that you pass the test, you now get our resources, or, you, or you, you didn't pass, here's where you can improve, or how do you, how does that work once they, they go through the evaluation? Yeah, um, that's, a, that's a great question. It's actually changing this week. <laughs> so I, I get to announce a new future here, uh, a, new, a new feature here. Uh, throughout most of our history, we have been a single community. Um, and that meant there was a binary pass-fail element. And so engineers would apply and uh, you know, it, it was kind of an elite group. And so only about 10% of engineers who applied would, uh, would pass. And we would give, we would give detailed feedback and, 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 and you know, links to resources to other people who didn't um, clear our bar and we would let them reapply. But it still was this kind of elite community. And something that we're launching right now is um, a much broader platform. Uh, so, so, so as of, as of this week, actually Byte is going to be a community for everybody. And so we're, we're going to retain the, 
the feedback element. So uh, engineers anywhere can apply to our platform, do our assessment and get back detailed feedback. You know, what are you strong in? What are you less strong in? What are resources that you, know, that, that, that you can, can, can use to improve? Um, and by the way, that's a very rare thing. It's very rare to get honest, unvarnished, you know, evaluation and advice on kind of where you stack up. Um, but our observation is that our previous product was a little bit exclusive. And, you know, our, our, our mission really is to help engineers get jobs regardless of their background. And, you know, to really, you know, live up to that mission and help everybody. We're launching this kind of this, this, this much more mass platform that we really think has, a, has, has the potential to fully replace kind of, you know, LinkedIn, Angels, and the, the, other, the other platforms that, that, that software engineers use to, to get jobs. Well, that, that's really exciting. I, and your, your mission or, or vision is something I really align with as not so much on the engineer front, because I'm not an engin, engineer myself, but I live in Phoenix and there's a lot of startups here that are awesome, but may not have access to capital if they were living, you know, in a New York or like a San Francisco, et cetera. So I really, I, I care about getting like access to, some, to, to yeah. something if you have the skills, if you have it. So I'd love to hear a little more, um, if you're open to sharing, apparently this is very new, so I don't know how much you're able to, <laughs> to share, but um, can you kind of go into what does this community for everyone look like and uh, instead of it being binary ultimately is it kind of like a scale where hey like you're here and you just need to get you know with improve on these things and then you're in or can you just go a little more de into detail for 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 my knowledge here i am making a, an impromptu product announcement um i, I don't want to go to too much detail on this new product yeah, no worries. um it, we're releasing it in the next few weeks and i think our our uh uh, yeah. Head of product and, and, and marketing person would be set if I, if I, if I scoop them. Uh, but I can talk about the, the philosophy behind it. Yeah, and, perfect. You know, the, the philosophy, this is probably the biggest, the biggest, mis, the biggest mis, misconception we had going in was that engineering skill was, was a single axis, right? There were, there were people who were skill engineers, there were people who were not skill engineers, and our job as a, you know, as a, as, as a, as a hiring platform, or as a company hiring for ourselves, is to find the skilled engineers. And what we found as we launched pretty early on was that it just doesn't work that way. The, and and the, 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 there's, there's a lot of noise in the process. Beyond noise, companies really are looking for very different things. And I remember there's, there's an uh, anecdote in my mind from early in the company that really illustrates this. Uh, we, had, we had a candidate on our platform. That candidate interviewed at Apple. Apple is a, is a client of ours. Um, and they interviewed at Box. Um, they're another client. And you know, got feedback from that company. And... You know, Apple absolutely loved, you know, I, I, at that point, we were very small. I was getting the phone to every customer, right? And the hiring manager at Apple, you know, said this is a, you know, five out of five, you know, best engineer I've, I've interviewed in months, you know, we're definitely making him an offer. And then the, the engineering, the hiring manager at Box said, this person was terrible. You know, we had to walk them out. You know, this, 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 you know, undermines <laughs> my respect in your process. And just that, that discrepancy, the same candidate. And what it came down to was Apple and Box cared about different things, that they were looking for different skill sets. And so it really is the case that engineering ability isn't, it's not binary. It's about, the, there's, there's this whole raft of skills you can have and someone who might be a fit for one company, I might be a very poor fit for another company. And I think a big problem in the industry is that there's very little transparency. There's very little, there's very, honestly, very, very little self-awareness self of this. Companies tend to not really quite be aware of how the skills they look for differ from other companies. Everyone tells themselves, oh, we, we hire the best engineers. And they assume that means the same thing to them as it does to everybody else, but it doesn't. And so what we've done here is, you know, in, in our position as a middleman, 
getting kind of unbiased data on the hiring marketplace, what we're able to do is work with a much broader swath of candidates who have, you know, who are strong in this area and recommend them to companies so that look for those skills and not recommend the companies where, where they're going to fail. It's going to be, you know, traumatic for everybody involved. And so that's that kind of focusing more on the different skill profiles, of different candidates, that, that's the core approach we're taking to the kind of more, more mass market product. Uh, that's awesome. I love that philosophy. And I'm looking forward to seeing the product announcement in the next couple of, of weeks and check it out. Sorry for intruding there. I, I, I didn't realize. Um, no problem. I, I, could have, I, could have, I could have kept my mouth shut. So uh, no problem. Yeah, no sweat, no sweat. So let's talk about a little bit on the other side of the marketplace on on the, the people hiring you to for your developers. So would you say you position, well, I don't even want to put words in your mouth. Like how do you position yourself to an Apple, to a Google, to someone that wants to use you? Are you a recruiter or something something else? Yeah. Um, we use this phrase hiring platform. Um, and that's, that's a newish phrase. Um, we don't typically use the, the phrase recruiter or agency uh, just because those, those who established players with a lot of negatives that we're trying to overcome. Um, but functionally, our, our, our relationship with companies is relatively similar to, to, to that of a hiring agency. You know, companies come to us to help hire. Uh, what's different is they don't come to us to hire a single person. So a, a classic you know, agency I'm trying to hire a security engineer. I'm struggling because, you know, everyone wants to hire security engineers. There aren't very many of them. And so I go to an agency. Um, we are more about, you know, our, pla- our, our product gets better with scale. So to really capture the value, a company needs to be hiring, you know, 10, 15, 20, 25 engineers through our platform over the course of, of a year. Um, and so we are kind of more about bread and butter, helping improve the core hiring funnel for companies and less about helping them hire specific hard to fill roles. That's so smart because that's obviously helped. I mean, if you kind of position it like that and, and it works, which obviously it is, that's great for the bottom line too and the top line. Like people use you more and it's good for business. I'm curious when you first started, um, with, with when you first started Triple Byte, was that how you uh, positioned it to companies? Did and I guess if you don't mind sharing, how did you get the first couple of customers um, on board with you? And what did you learn from those interactions to enable you to gotten to this to, to get to the scale that you've gotten to? Yeah, um, that's one of the hardest parts of a business like this, right? We are a we're a two sided marketplace uh, with with a lot of trust required on both sides, and so so the, the crux of the problem is that our you know if you don't have companies on platform, then we're not offering very much value to candidates, and if you don't have candidates on platform, we're not offering very much value to companies, and Getting over that hurdle um, was really hard. And, I th- I, and if I kind of look back at the history of companies that have tried to start up in this space, this has been the, the great filter, the thing that keeps most of those companies from, from succeeding. And you know, we don't have actually a very magic answer. I think we have a, a, lot, of, a lot of luck and a lot of context. Um, you know, this is uh, my second company. I started a previous company, Social Cam. It was uh, you know, a, a, you know, a success. We were acquired by Autodesk. Uh, my my co-founder uh, Hard Cigar was a partner at Y Combinator, and so those relationships meant that we had a pretty large stable of companies that were going to give us a shot day one, and then that in turn meant that we had a you know launch announcement with with name brand companies that you know could could go viral on Hacker News and drive in you know a thousand candidates day one, and that you know it certainly bootstrapping is not easy that that didn't totally solve the problem, but that that got us over the hump where I think most people in this space have, have died in the past. 
So that's actually a really interesting point that I want to I want to drive into. So you had a what maybe like a, a an investor would call like a unfair advantage through your network and through you know through who you knew. And yeah. this is something. This is a, a topic that I when I started my company Publock, which I'm not actively working on anymore. Like I had no idea this was a thing. Like you're supposed to have these when you start companies. I started on two credit cards and I hustled and I got it to a got it to a place that was good. You know, it didn't make it. No, but that's okay. But like you're saying, no, like you're not trying to make to have an even playing field with your competitors. You're trying to start something where you you have the the, the 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 chip stacked in your favor. Can you kind of talk about that and how founders should be thinking about when they want to start a company, how they can stack the chips in their favor? Yeah, I think I'm going to express a bit of a contrarian view. I think if you have this, it's awesome, and I think this played a key role in in my company. But most people don't have this or don't have it in as clear a way as, as we did in this case. Um, and so I don't, you know, I put that out as one of a number of things on a list to evaluate when thinking about a startup idea. Um, and probably below, you know, I, th I think number one, that list is, is, the, you know, is your idea solving an important problem for people? And is it something that you find exciting and motivating such that you want to work on it for the next 10 years? I think those, though, that's 80% of the, of, of the issue. And then sub portion of that remaining 20% is, do you have an unfair advantage? And if you do, that's great. It's gravy on top. If you have a, a idea that's really important, that's, that's you know, solving a problem for people and that you're enthusiastic to work on. Um, so in our case, I think all three of these things lined up here. Um, but it's hard enough to check box A and B. I don't think people should being themselves, you know, upside the head too much over, over, over box C. Yeah. Well, yeah. That's, I mean, you're totally right in that. Um, like I, 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 we got to from zero to 25 K MRR just from cold emailing people on the Bay. Like, yeah. no, no. And that's obviously like what I, well, I think one of the biggest lessons I learned in, in my startup journey so far is like hustle is great, but like, unfortunately hustle doesn't scale. Like your own hustle won't scale, but your hustle will get you to the, you know, yeah. get you to a point. And, and if you, if you have the hustle on your, and maybe you're smart enough, you're able to do a lot with nothing, um, which yeah. I think is a good like litmus test to see if you're, you know, you can be a founder or not. Yeah. I, I might phrase that hustle gets you far enough that execution and just the quality of your product can take over. That's the, that's the goal anyway. Definitely. Definitely. So I think what would be interesting um, to talk about for the people listening that may not have, that may not have heard of you before, um, just to get a little bit of context, you're, um, you've been working, can you, can you talk about when this company was founded and uh, um, just a little bit on uh, the journey to where you got today, just to give a little bit of a, of a timeline for the listeners? Yeah. Uh, so we started about four and a half years ago. Um, uh, I just, you know, three co-founders, uh, myself and my two co-founders. Um, and uh, right now we're about uh, 75 people. Uh, let, me, let me talk about kind of our, our, our mission, what, kind of what motivated me. Is that, is that an interesting topic for you, Matt? Yeah, that's very interesting. Yeah. I would love to hear the why, yeah. Yeah, so what, this, this is my second company. Uh, first company was Social Cam, um, Started in 2010 uh, with uh, Michael Seibel and uh, Guillaume Susano, who's my co-founder here as well. And I uh, did that for three years. I uh, got acquired by Autodesk. And then I took a year off. Um, and I thought really hard about what I wanted to do. And what motivated me was finding another startup idea that 
had a type of social impact. You know, so Social Cam was a social video app, and and that was exciting. We had you know we had you know tens of millions of users, and there's a lot of a lot of professional growth and excitement that comes from that. Uh, but I really wanted to find something that was important to me. You know, Social Cam didn't ever tick that second box for me. That 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 you know feeling like I want I found this deeply exciting. And I wanted to work on it for ten years, and so Trillbyte is that company for me. And what motivated me was this problem, this problem of, of hiring, finding and hiring software engineers. And the fact that I kind of acutely felt both sides personally. Um, I had, I had a, a, a distinctive childhood. I, I grew up on a hippie commune and I was homeschooled, uh, which was, was awesome childhood. <laughs> lots, of, lots of time running around the woods with, with, with wild kids. Um, and I did not harm education at all. My parents did a great job teaching me. I got into programming. Um, but it makes it really hard to get into college when you have no documentation of anything. <laughs> and so I ended up graduating from a, a pretty poorly ranked state school in New York. Um, and let's just say there, you know, Google didn't come to my, my, my career fair um, at, at my, my school, right? There, I, I don't think there was a single tech company at, the, at my career fair. And so I graduated and it was just me sending in resumes. And for months, I would just send in resumes and nobody would, I'd just never hear back and get a single interview booked. And just the, yeah, it's one of the, one of the lowest times of my life, honestly. I've spent all this time in university and then just not, not being given a chance to show the skill. Um, ended up getting a job at Twitch when Twitch was a, a small startup. Uh, they, had a, they had a coding challenge and I, I did their coding challenge. Um, and then I, I progressed through the ranks there pretty quickly. And you know, a year and a half later, I was, I was leading a small team there and hiring for my team. And, Suddenly, I was on the flip side. I was getting resumes in and making these gut calls about, okay, who, 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 you know, who's worth my team's time to bring in an interview? And I saw the, you know, I, I brought people in, they would do poorly, and, and I saw the other incentive, right? It's not, prior to that, I viewed it as, oh, people are irrational. They're judging me unfairly based on my credentials. And then suddenly being on the other side saying, no, credentials do correlate. You know, as a population, having a degree from, a, from, a, from the pool of engineers who have degrees from top schools as a group are better than people who don't. And if I'm a hiring manager, who's desperately trying to save my team's time and bring in candidates, it, it's not necessarily irrational to bring in candidates preferentially who have, you know, elite schools on their, on their, on their resumes. Um, and, uh, you know, we know what the solution is. The solution is, to, is, 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 is data science. The solution is to gather data and find signals. Say, okay, you know, th there's this, you know, credentials have this downside. They, 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 they correlate with some with being better, but the pool of people who don't have credentials is so enormous that if recruiters act on those, that signal, it leaves people out and it ultimately blinds the recruiters to this pool of very talented candidates they could have hired otherwise. And so the motivating idea here at Trillbyte was to say, we're gonna do the work. We're gonna gather the data, we're gonna interview thousands of people, and we're gonna build the data set that allows us to build a fundamentally more accurate process that ignores backgrounds and looks at people's actual skills. Would you say that you're building a credential with TripleByte. Is TripleByte a uh, just an, a new type of credential? Yes, but I don't. I want to avoid the connotation that we are just replacing. You know, we're we're doing something more important and more fundamental than just launching a new MIT and and creating a new credential that that functions just like the MIT credential. In that, our mission is directly measuring skill. And providing access to our assessment. So one of our one of our kind of core statements here is is access. We are always going to allow everyone anywhere in the world who, who can get on our website fair level access to our assessment. 
And that's not true with MIT. There's all of these layers of access based on what school did you go to, you know, how rich were your parents, you know, what's, what's your gender, what's your skin color. These things end up erecting barriers. And it is far from the case that everyone with talent has, has an you know, equal, e even shake at showing MIT their skill. And so our goal, we think there's a lot of social importance in a candidate being controlled by carrying much of the same signal that a candidate you know, having an MIT degree carries. But there's this important difference of access. See, the, the listeners are probably like shaking their head right now because they know that I'm obsessed. Like I, I literally, so the, the thought of a credential and the new type of credentials that are being built, like YC alum, becoming a pioneer, Teal Fellow, being a, getting through trip, like these things there, I don't know. I haven't, I haven't put my finger on what ecosystem they're, they're creating, but I feel like it's creating the new school of credentials that are going to matter. I mean, this might be against how you feel about it. So that, so that's totally fine, but like not replace the old school, but just other credentials to yeah. refer to, um, which makes me so excited as, as someone that really aligns with so many of the topics that, that you're saying. I'm curious, do you, do you, do you see other types of these types of credentials, like the Pioneer, the Triple Byte, the YC? What else do you see? And do you see correlation between them and see almost an ecosystem forming of, of a new type of credentials? I'd love your thoughts on that. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree more. I think it's a great way to look at it. And, you know, I, I think you can see, if you look at the, some of the market forces, you can understand why, why this needs to exist. Um, so traditional credentials are simply not keeping up in volume with the, with the world. So I, you know, in, in, in the space of software engineers, um, there's on the order of 50,000 new CS grads every year in the US. Uh, of course, most of those come from, you know, state schools and community colleges and, and, and you know, schools that don't confer much of a credential. Um, but even let's just, let's ignore that for a second and assume that, that those all represented MIT and Stanford, right? There's 10X that, the demand for new open positions is, 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 is half a million, right? So there's 10 times the demand for new software engineers as there is credentialed supply. And uh, you know, that, that gap is the reason you see you know, Lambda School and, and MOOCs and this kind of really exciting space of alternative schools. And a big piece that's missing from those alternative schools is the credential piece, right? What's the, what is the you know, credentializing mechanism that you know, hopefully in a, in, a, in a positive as well sometimes negative way provides access to the best students you know, what is that system for people who are, who are, who are self-taught, for people who are coming from all these, these alternative schools? Um, and so I think, I think what we're doing, and, you know, and also there's other kind of other, other things you mentioned, is stepping in to help provide some of that credential infrastructure around all these alternative, fast-moving, you know, brand-new ways that people learn skills. Something that you said that, that, something that you said gives me a thought, and it's, it's something, I heard advice on Twitter or somewhere like Twitter, that it, good in, good investors triangulate. They try to listen to signal, and if they hear about someone in this category, then they hear it in a totally separate group or et cetera. They're like, "Great, like this is data, so I can make an investment decision." And I, I kind of think these credentials almost like as a podcast, I was looking for interesting people. I almost use these new credentials to triangulate too, where it's like, "Oh, they were a pioneer. They were also this. They also have these mutual friends." Like, "Oh, like I have a." Almost like I have, a, I have a model in my head of who you, uh, who you might associate with, and that's I don't know if that's right. I don't know if that's like that's like a right way to think about it. But so far, like it's it's served me well and, and helped me find really interesting people. Um, and I, I don't know, I'm, I'm interested in exploring the credential world further. Yeah, 
Um, I think that makes a lot of sense. I think, I think there is a bit of a danger there with all credentials, which is that if you, you know, overconfidence and false negatives. So, you know, I, I encourage you to be open to the fact that there are probably very interesting people for your podcast who don't necessarily, you know, ha have those indicators that, that, that you found to be uh, predictive in the past. Well, so yeah. it, what's, what's, what's interesting, so I totally agree with you, and I, it, 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 it's interesting because I probably wouldn't, like if, I, if someone else was me, this, this uh, podcast host, and I, and I was using the same, uh, like the same ways that I'm looking for guests that, that or sorry, this person was like in the same way that I was, I probably wouldn't get in, I probably wouldn't get on the show. It's like, I, I'm not a pioneer. I'm not a West, I'm not, I, I'm an ASU grad. Like I'm on, I'm like average on paper, right? I don't think I'm an average person, but on paper I'm average, which is what you deal with a lot, you know, and you're, you're trying to separate who actually is average versus like not. But the thing that the credential that I think is the biggest one that I've learned is who, who's, who do you associate with? Not necessarily like VCs or anything, but like, Oh, if you have smart friends. Like even if you haven't accomplished that much yet, that's cool. You're, these people think you're cool enough to be friends with. Yeah. So credential almost in that sense and I might be thinking about it in a too like uh in kind of a weird way but I, I do think about the credential stuff a lot and it's uh it's just uh I don't know, it's interesting <laughs> yeah um well yeah. yeah so one one thing I want to I want to dive into is the fact that um you were when you were answering a question about 10 minutes ago you said you were homeschooled um and uh, I have I don't think I've had the chance yet on this podcast to jam out about this type of future of ed or just education in general I always talk about like lambda school type stuff or like higher level but um I would love to to, to jam a little bit on on just homeschooling and k through eight education I'd love to hear like why like how do you how do you like homeschooling as a kid and like just what do you think about um yeah I guess how do you like it how, what was your experience like if you don't mind sharing no, happy, happy to. Um, I, I don't want to. Uh, outside of my personal experience, I'm not a particular expert in, in this field. You probably know more than I do. Um, I actually went all the way through high school, uh, so so I, I you know uh, my first time in a real classroom was was freshman year of, of university. Um, it's a complicated topic, and I have pretty mixed feelings. Uh, it worked extremely well for me. I had a very happy childhood. And I had much more time to pursue personal interests and side projects um, than, than most, most kids. So I, my parents followed a very unstructured, what's called unstructured homeschooling, which, which means that I didn't have classes. I was basically not forced to do anything. They, they provided me resources and, 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 and you know, took me to lectures and bought me books. Uh, but I didn't have problem sets or papers that were due or anything of that nature, uh, which is the, kind of the extreme liberal end of, of homeschooling. And for me, that allowed me to go super deep into, into woodworking. There was a whole, you know, I, I went and worked with a wooden boat builder for four hours a week for, you know, four years during my, my, uh, my, my teenage years. Um, and, and you know, learn about blacksmithing and, 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 you know, all these really interesting hands-on skills. Um, I, I got into programming, you know, in that same time frame, and, you know, would, would spend, you know, 20, 30 hours a week programming, you know, taking part of online programming, you know, communities in a way that I wouldn't have been able to if I, if I had to go to school. Um, uh, many other things. Um, and I, I was also on a, in a somewhat unique uh, situation. So I, was, I was on a Kippy commune. And so there was a kind of natural community of a bunch of other kids of varying ages right around me all doing the same thing. And so I didn't experience any, I had a very social environment kind of by default. Um, 
so yeah, it was a huge positive for me. Um, I do know a lot of people who, who, who are homeschooled, um, you know, partly in, in, in my community and also just, just you know, I, I talk about this and so, so I, I, I meet people. Um, and my experience is near the, near the top. Um, there are many people who are homeschooled that have, have, a, have a less positive perception of it. And I don't want to invalidate, you know, there's, <laughs> my parents kind of neglected me. I mean, no, no, you know, if you, if you hear, if you listen to this, uh, my parents don't, don't feel like, <laughs> but that, you know, on paper, they kind of let me whatever I wanted to do and didn't force me to learn to read or, or write or, or, or do math. And that worked out great for me, but it doesn't always work out great. So I, yeah, I'm very conflicted. Yeah, I, I totally understand that. And thanks, thanks for sharing your experience. Um, the reason, the reason I ask, you know, as you know, is that I, you know, and as I, I think you, the listeners know, I think you all know, I don't know if I've actually mentioned it before, but um, I, I, I'm working like in this space with a company called Prenda, which is kind of like a middle ground between homeschooling and public school. And uh, I never really thought, I never put much attention towards education for K through eight or K through 12. It's always been like, what happens after high school? What happens after high school? But I just, uh, I, after after being on this team for a bit, and hopefully for, for quite a long time, it just makes me think about, I feel like edu- what, what everyone needs is just the right model for them. And for some, it's going to be public school. For some, it's going to be homeschool. For some, it's going to be Prenda. But um, it just seems like there's this one model that's pushed yeah. into, into for everyone. And it doesn't work for everyone. Like, it didn't work for me. Like, I didn't get good grades, but I'm like a smart dude, you know? And it's just like... I don't know. Like, yeah. do you, do you, do you think obviously you're more so in, in triple bite and, and in, in that world, but do you spend much time thinking about future of education? Uh, um, and, and if not that, I guess what, what trends do you see in the world of that interest you right now? Uh, I'm going to answer the first question. <laughs> there's a lot, a lot of trends. Uh, there's a lot of overlap. So we're in the assessment space, the assessment or credentialing, I would say. And there's a lot of natural convergence between assessment and, and education. Um, and so it is something we think about a lot. Uh, we're also almost entirely focused on higher education or, or people who are self-taught during a similar kind of a similar phase in their, their education. Uh, so I, earlier education is something I don't know very much about. Um, but yeah, uh, kind of what Prend is doing, um, this idea of providing uh, some middle ground between very unstructured, kind of what I experienced which worked out great for me, but does have these downsides. And then the kind of more a school where it, where it can't be personalized and where, where there's some, some, there's a little bit of a lowest common denominator effect in terms of, you know, pro- progress speed and, and kids just end up, you know, spending a lot more time and not having free time. And so the idea of finding some middle ground there, um, I find really compelling. And again, you're probably more familiar with this data than I am, but I think there's a pretty strong trend in that direction. I, I believe homeschooling numbers have, have, are growing really quickly. Is that, is that correct? Yeah, it, it is. I, I think I think the trend, and it's more qualitative than quanti- than quantitative. But what what I find, I talk to parents all day. Uh, like that, I, I'm growth, which means I, I talk to parents that want to enroll their kids. I'm pretty much like front lines for Prender right now, and they all just want to do the best thing for their kids. And yeah. it is fascinating to hear the emotions that come out of them that. You know, on both ends, like the fact that like how public school has hurt their child or how homeschooling hasn't worked out either. Um, so for me, I just think 
um, there's finally some optionality and uh, parents are just learning about it. Almost like the optionality is having its own S curve. And uh, we are, uh, we're just helping people realize, Hey, like there's a middle ground somewhere. Uh, and, uh, I- I'm touched every time I talk to a parent who like gets emotional because it shows, you know, how important this work is. And I, I would have benefited from it myself as a kid. Uh, yeah. I was kind of a, a crazy kid, you know, and I think a lot of kids are. <laughs> yeah. And I believe the outcome data, I think there's not a huge data set here, but the outcome data for homeschooled students is pretty encouraging. Um, there, there's no evidence that homeschooling leaves kids at a, a long-term academic deficit with regard to um, more traditionally schooled peers, I believe. Yeah, I, I mean, our own data, which is not substantial at all, we've, been, we've only just started about two years ago, but it looks good for, high, for the eighth graders that went into high school. Like, it's looking good. It look, they can definitely uh can you know do well on the test but also thrive in the ways that school doesn't really track um yeah so what's uh a couple actually i have a couple more questions within within triple bite and then a couple questions kind of unrelated um you you know it's been it's been a few years it's been a journey you've had you know a good amount of success um and but this also isn't your first your first rodeo as you've mentioned so um, I wanna, I'm going to try to frame this question right, but but when going in to start Triple Byte uh, and and growing Triple Byte, are there things that you came across that you learned that you didn't necessarily expect? Like you thought you got it, but actually you didn't, and it, it's just another learning opportunity. I'd love to hear some of those moments if you have any. Yeah. Um, the biggest one was this point I, I had already mentioned about you know, the diversity just of, of skills, how, how, how kind of high dimensional skill space is. It's not about one axis, good, bad. It's about this huge range of skills and, and, and people might be, you know, everyone is strong and someone we can understand. I think that's the single biggest um, uh, thing we didn't know going in. Um, there's also a lot of kind of more mundane details about um, just team structure. And, 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 and I don't know, as, a, as an engineer, um, I, prior to bring this company, I wasn't super sympathetic, sounds, it sounds bad, but to recruiters, you know, the recruiters are the people who harass me on LinkedIn. They're, they're not, you know, they're not, you know, I don't know. I didn't, didn't go much beyond that. And we kind of, when we started thought, oh, well, we're going to, we're going to build a product which is so good that, you know, companies won't need recruiters. They can, they can, you know, they're, they're, they're hiring managers can go straight to us. And that, that was arrogant and did not end up being the case. Right. Recruiters are doing an important fundamental task at the company. And we realized probably six months in that, that no, like, you know, Trillbyte is actually, you know, at a company, our users are the recruiters there. And that we have to build a tool which helps them do their job, you know, better. We have to talk to them. We have to, we have to listen to them. You know, we have to augment, you know, they're, they're in this important job of making, you know, culture ad decisions and, and thinking about, you know, balancing, you know, balancing the team and that by, our goal is not to replace them. Our goal is to provide detailed technical assessment data so that they can find more diverse candidates who they might not have failed to found you know, otherwise and free up their time to do a you know, better job focusing on, on culture ad, on, on, on pitching companies, on, on sorry, pitching candidates, on, 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 on kind of making that whole process run as, as smoothly as possible. And another question that, that I just thought of, um, is there a... So you're pretty much mastering the identi- identification of talented engineers. You, you they, they come through your your system, your, your 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 test, and then they come out the other side like, great, like this person's a genius. We gotta we gotta 
you know, find them a company. Is there, like, are you hands, I should probably should have asked this in the beginning, but, uh, you know, oh, well, are you, from that point, are you, are you, do you just tell the tech companies, hey, tech companies, we got someone that, ha that has the triple by credential, if you, if you, if you want to frame it like that, um, here you go, like, have at them, like, and then they just flock. Do you work with recruiters to then get that person placed? I guess, what happens once you find that person? Obviously, hundreds of these people are thousands, but when someone passes the test, What's their life after that? Um, how, yeah. how does that work? Yep. Um, so we make a pretty big ask of companies on our platform, and that is that they trust our technical assessment and don't do their own technical screen up front. So companies agree, uh, the phrase used is fast track. So companies agree to fast track candidates on our platform straight through to their final round interview. And so the experience from a candidate's point of view is a little more red carpet than a different process. So a, a candidate applies to Trillbyte, they go through an assessment, and they then see a list of all the companies on the platform that are interested in them. And they get to decide you know, from those, those, those companies, okay, which, of, which of these am I interested in? And you know, you know, from the ones they select, then we set up a phone call, and that's a non-technical phone call. So it's not, it's not a technical screen, it's, a, it's, it's, it's kind of a, a meet and greet with a recruiter typically. And after that phone call, if both the candidate and company want to go forward, then it goes on to the final round onsite interview. And the company does their regular technical assessment um, you know, to, to determine if that candidate is a good fit for, for their role. So it's, it's not dissimilar. Um, we, we, you know, it's, we have a platform, so we manage it. Um, and so it's, it's, it's a little bit lower friction um, for both the candidate and the company, honestly. Um, it's a little bit faster. Um, and you know, there's, this, there's, this, there's this, this important detail of skipping the technical assessments up front. And are you, does Triple Byte eventually envision doing this process for different verticals, aka like not necessarily just technical, or, do you, or are you trying to uh, own the technical recruiting, or not recruiting, but own the technical world first and, and only that? I guess, it, I guess looking more forward, do you plan to expand to other uh, verticals? I'm not in the immediate term. So I, I, I think the world really needs it. I think what we're doing, this, like, this idea of doing skills assessment and helping people get jobs regardless of their background, it's probably more needed, honestly, in some other fields. Doing it for nursing, for teaching, uh, that would be you know, really important, and I would love to do it. Um, as a startup, as I'm sure you know, just focus is absolutely key. And, you know, and engineer hiring is, an, is, a, is a huge vertical. And so from a company perspective, um, I think the right move is to stay pretty laser focused on engineers for the next few years and um i hope that by that point people will have launched companies doing similar things you know trillbyte for nurses trillbyte for, for 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 teachers i would love to see that and if, if that niche is still there when 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 we get to that you know a, 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 a size where it makes sense to um diversify focus i would absolutely love to move into that space and the last kind of topic i, I want to touch on before we get to the final couple of questions is actually focus uh, and uh, how to think about focus as a founder, but actually specifically, um, do you have any frameworks on how to allocate focus when you're <laughs> looking for, um, like, like when you have a startup, obviously you, you're working on that startup and you can't really go off and start, you can't like start something else. You, 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 you do what's best for that startup, but there's a lot of people and I'm honestly in this boat, but like I got my job at Prenda. It's dope. I love it. You know, it's, I'm going to be there for a while. I also got my nights and weekends, which I want to, which I want to spend on stuff. And 
but I'm, I don't actively like have that thing. And like, but now everything looks attractive. Like, oh, I should do that. I can do that. I can do this. I can do that. Do you have any frameworks for knowing how to allocate focus that yields the best, like, I guess, outcome, which is something that works and maybe like makes money on the side? How do you think about focus? Really interesting question. I, I don't. <laughs> you could also apply. You could also apply it to. Um, you could also apply it within Triple Byte. Yeah. Like how you allocate focus, where you might want to work on this feature, yeah. but actually, this you know, you could think about focus however you want. I'm just curious to get your thoughts on just how you think about it. Managing focus is one of the most is a it's a very important thing, um, but I think it's actually a little bit easier internally because there is an agreed upon goal, you know. My co-founders and I, our employees, we're trying to make a thing happen. We have a mission, we have a goal, we have KPIs, we have metrics. And so it becomes, I think, a well-formed question of what's the best marginal use of my time? I, I have a marginal hour to spend you know, right now, you know, after, after this call from, from, from three to four, what do I work on? Um, and that because, you know, there's, there's a lot of options, but it becomes at least a well-formed question. I think about it, you know, I have a process, I have, I have to-do lists. I audit my time use, you know, every week and try to make sure that the, the usage was good, right? There's a thing that I focus on, uh, but the question is well-formed. Um, I think the question in terms of your personal time is harder. Uh, many people are not clear about their personal goals. So I, I you know, I, 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 at this point in my life, I've picked my startup as my, as my number one personal goal. And so I, pick, I pour most of my time into it and, 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 uh, you know, those things line up. Uh, if if I had nights and weekends free to focus on other things, I think I would try to think really hard about what's my goal. Is it to is it to be is it to be happy? Is it you know, utilitarian? Increase my personal happiness. Um, is it you know regret minimization? Is it yeah whatever it is? And then and then kind of use a similar framework. But not, it's not, not a particularly great answer uh, for me. Oh no, that, that's all good. Um, I I like how you think about every answer uh, or every uh, hour. Like great, I have some time now. Where, where do I put this time? Because yeah. um, I feel like a lot of people, including myself, I don't think about time like that all the time. I'm just like, oh, I got an hour. I'm going to play Oculus Quest. And yeah. uh, even though I could play it this evening after my work, I'm going to play, you know, and it's just it's just being intentional about your time as, as an asset is uh, is probably a very good practice to, to have. Um, one thing that, that, like, one thing that, that I, uh, um, that, for me, if I if I was to say I'd like I'd like a startup, it would be this podcast. So I kind of like whenever I have ideas to like do this or do that, I'm like no, just like invite someone else onto the show, just for the sole activity of not seeing the shiny object and acting on it, literally for the exercise. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I appreciate that answer. So I have I have two more questions for you um, before we before we wrap it up. Um, the you know, you're working on, obviously, TripleVite is working. It's working well, and you're scaling, um, and, uh, and and you're launching new products, and, and it's exciting. I'd love to hear 10 years from now or 20 years from now um, when TripleVite, you know, is as big as it can get, you know, you know what, as big as, it, as big as you can think of, what what does it look like? What does it do uh, for the world? And uh, we'd just love to hear that vision a little bit. Yeah, I, I, I think it's a, it's a continuation of the kind of the line drawn by, by the mission, right? Our mission is to help engineers get jobs regardless of their background. And if you draw that line forward, you get to a place where the world is open to education in all of these forms, right? You can, you can choose to ex spend four years attending, you know, 
Stanford or MIT or, or, or Connecticut State or any, any university anywhere. Um, and that's a totally valid way to have a great experience and get to, you know, social life and, and learn lots of things, including, you know, programming. Um, but you can also, you know, take an online boot camp, uh, maybe with an income share agreement. And you can also get involved in the video game mod community and, you know, geek out about, 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 about you know, Counter-Strike and, 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 and you know, whatever it is. So all, there are all these alternatives, all these paths. Um, and there isn't this value judgment where one is, is, has, takes preference over the other. And everybody, regardless of their background, can get jobs if they have the skills, right? Um, there's a word, it's a complicated word, meritocracy, I'm gonna throw it out there. It's a complicated word. That word has, come, has, has fallen into disrepute recently for a lot of legitimate reasons, right? Mainly around people using, claiming the system as meritocracy when there are these obvious entrenched advantages for certain groups. Uh, but I'm a big believer in trying to fight for the ideal that it represents, right? There is, you know, let's take, so the world of Silicon Valley is not a meritocracy. That's totally clear. But our goal is to move it in that direction into a world where people have opportunities based on the skills they bring. Um, and uh, I think it's achievable. Um, I think the way we're doing it is just flat out better for everybody. It's better for a candidate because they don't have to, you know, they get access. They don't have to spend all this time focusing on, 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 uh, you know, presentation, right? You can focus on just having the skills, right? And if you have those skills, you, you, you get these opportunities. Um, it's better for companies. You know, they, they, they have access to the full range of people. You know, I, I, I guess a, a, there's a, a way I like phrasing this is, is the observation that, you know, human, human potential, human ability is uniformly distributed across, across people from different backgrounds, but that access to opportunity to demonstrate that, that ability is not. And so, you know, our, our mission really is to, is to change that, is to, is to provide, you know, <laughs> increase the width of the distribution of access to, to opportunity. That's our goal. And I think it's achievable. And, you know, our, our, our vision is a world where, where that's the case, where people get jobs based on, on the skills they have. That's a vision I can get behind. I'm all about opportunity and access. So, so that's awesome. But obviously, to make that happen, uh, you're going to need a lot of help along the way. And you, you got all these people listening to this podcast who know, who know the question is coming. And the question, the last question I have for you is how can the forward thinking founders community help you? Is there someone that you want to reach? Is there an ask that you have? But now's your time to make any ask for the people listening. Yeah. Let me, well, the simple answer is just give, give, give our product a try. If you're a software engineer looking for a job, uh, we work primarily in uh, Silicon Valley, Bay Area, New York, LA, and Seattle. If you're looking for a job, um, you know, come, 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 come give, our, give our, our site a try. If you're a company looking to hire engineers, you know, we would love to, love to speak to you. Um, we, have, we have access to a you know, great pool, diverse engineers, very talented. Um, more specifically, I mean, that's, not really, that's just more of an ad, not an ask. Let me make an ask. Uh, we are looking to hire a an editor for our a writer for our blog. Um, we've been blogging about that. So as we go go about our business of running this 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 company, we generate tons of really insightful data. Um, we we get kind of this inside view of the hiring process at you know a huge swath of companies, you know big names, um, and, and not not you know not just what's going on in but how they what, what the difference is, how how they vary, um, and. You know, I've been very occasionally writing blog posts based on this data. They tend to do really well, get a lot of, a lot of, a lot of views. And our goal is to hire somebody, um, probably from a journalism background. Uh, to, uh, we'd actually would love if they could be um, 
on location in, in, in the Bay Area, uh, but remote is also an option uh, to really be a full-time writer working for the blog. And if, if that sounds interesting, um, shoot me an email. I'd love to, love to speak. That sounds like an awesome position. If, uh, if, if anyone wanted to, uh, if the writer was listening and it sounds like the perfect fit, uh, I guess the last question is where can they find you online? Where can they find Triple Byte? How can they get in touch with you? Um, if, if they're compelled by the vision and you know, they're interested in what you're doing. Yeah. shoot me an email. Uh, for any reason, happy to, happy to, happy to speak. Uh, my email is Amon at TripleByte.com. Uh, that's A M M O N at TripleByte, T R I P L E B Y T E.com. All right. Thank you for coming on to the show. I appreciate what you're building, appreciate your vision, and just keep on keep on going on. It's it's exciting stuff. Okay, awesome. Boom. That is a wrap. Thank you for tuning in to that episode of Forward Thinking Founders. If you liked it, let me know on Twitter. Just search Matt Sherman or type in M-A-T underscore S-H-E-R-M-A-N, and I would look forward to hearing from you. And I will see you tomorrow for the next episode. Peace.